Welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. This is one of your hosts, Andrea Gouldmarks. I have with me also B.B. Peters and Jennifer Davis-Page. And today we're going to address a very deep and fascinating topic. And that topic is the topic of betrayal. And we have Chris, a guest, and she's going to tell her story. And the reason that we feel that this episode, which is the first of a few in a series, the reason that we feel this is such a compelling topic is because this is a little discussed but very pervasive issue about the state of marriage, largely, and how we each, in our own separate way, resolve that sometimes paradoxical relationship we call marriage. So welcome, all of you, and welcome, Chris. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And Bibi had a a really important question before about um, how you would like this interview to go. It's like, what's your goal? What's your vision for it? What would you like our listeners to learn and get the value from the, from the experiences that you've had in your life? I think in an overall word would be strength. And that um, living through all of this and um, kind of uh, in the process of it for probably five years, seven years, um, finding my own strength and finding my own person um, and discovering things about my relationship that haven't been healthy in 30 years that um, that showing people that it's okay to go out on that limb um, but you have to be true to yourself and be strong. And the beautiful part about you is the first thing that you were saying was that you know that this topic of betrayal, of infidelity, is one that is sensationalized? Well, and that was my concern initially when we had spoken, was that I didn't want my story to be the latest gossip or um, just to be the newest exciting story to hear. I, I want people to be able to learn from it, and um, if I can share anything that I've that I've learned, um, that's what I would like to. I can't tell you how grateful we are. I feel your emotion so deeply already, and I thank you. We are so grateful that you are able to share your story with us, but with our listeners as well. And thank you for bringing substance and value and importance to this quite painful process. So we're going to invite you to tell us the story. Okay, so um, before everything went awry, um, I uh, gave my kidney to my spouse, um, and that, and a couple years later, uh, through my son um, finding a text, uh, discovered that um, my spouse was having an affair with someone who was a friend of mine. Of mine uh, would stay with our children when we went on vacation. Um, borrowed money from us, 
um, that we would try and help because she was a single person struggling. And, um, and th through working through that initial affair, um, I purposely made the decision, A, to not kick him out of the house because there were questions that I wanted answered and I wanted them answered now directly. Uh, we went, and I, one of my conditions is that we would go um, to counseling, and we did that. And so we stayed together, and I think largely for me, in hindsight, um, because I wanted my kids to have a family unit, and I wanted my children, who were in high school at the time, to have that cohesive unit, and I wanted to teach them that marriage isn't always easy, and people screw up, and we can get beyond that. How long were you married? Um, at, at this, at let's t let's talk a little history here. You married when you were how old? I was nineteen. And he? And he was twenty. Okay. And then. Um, at 23, I facilitated his first kidney transplant. And did you know that he had a no. kidney issue before you married him? I had no idea. Okay. So um, it came to your attention after three years. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, um, I have taken care of him and his health. To say that he's unhealthy is light. Um, and I've taken care of him every day of our marriage. Um, transplants, heart issues diabetes, you know, all kinds of things. Right. So you were in a committed relationship I was. for till death do you part. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And children? Um, I have two children. Um, my son is 26 and my daughter is 22. So the marriage is a long, creative yeah. marriage. And we were um, engaged and dating for three years. So it's not like I'm not sorry. like you didn't know. We got him. married at 23. I'm sorry. I met him when I was 19. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't. No, it wasn't like I didn't know him. We were. See that that's another issue. Like all of a sudden, you you think you know someone, and it turns out that you don't. And that's why we use the word betrayal here because it's a, a complete betrayal interruption of trust and confidence right it's not just the sexual part it's not the affair the lusting part it's the betrayal of your spirit of your mind of your environment right, right? everything yeah i mean one's entire identity one's entire psyche and life is is interrupted as a big surprise usually well and after that first affair i discovered that they would sit around and talk about my life and talk about our kids' lives as though, and later, uh, the second time around, I found some over 800 emails. Um, and she talked about our family with him as though she were a part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, my, my father passed away, and even so much as to express her condolences for my father's death and that she wished she could come to the funeral. Um, and And so knowing that your life has been shared completely with someone else was that, very painful. And that's the discovery after the fact, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that the most difficult part is looking back on the years 
and you realize that what you thought was your life is was not your life. Absolutely. Chris, how long had this affair been going on before um, you found out? Uh, five months, five or six months. Before you found out. Correct, the first time. And when did that begin to happen? So you were married at 23, and how many years before you um, found out that this was going on? Oh, not till 2009. Okay. But okay. you had been married for years before. And now I look back, and there were others. Um, there were others before then. Yeah, mm. and I... And I would call him out on things, and he would say no. Um, so there was a pattern that was there pretty much from the beginning? Yeah. Well, yes, because even as we were dating, um, he was dating his first, his other girlfriend at the same time. And, and he had said, um, there's something about his car. It was broken. And he said, oh, I really wanted to go see her. And I said, "What? Why would you, why would you go see her?" And he said, "Well, I I miss her too." And you know, in hindsight, that's when I should have walked out the door. Right. Um, but I didn't, and I hung in, and because this is somebody that I loved and I cared about, and so then I I think I was I blinded myself to so many things um, that then before they made it glaring in my face. God, what I, a powerful I couldn't do it statement. anymore. I blinded myself to those things, right? It's yeah. Just and that's so, so common that as Chris is telling her story, as a psychologist, I am hearing multitude of stories, um, especially this piece where there's two pieces that are interesting that you just shared. One is that at the very beginning, he says, why would I s essentially stop loving her? So the hint of his belief system that he believed that it was f for him necessary um, to allow himself to love more than one person at a time. So there we have a belief system that showed it its head, right? And you being more traditional, are saying to us now, you know, I should have known then, but of course you were 19, right? And so it's very interesting in retrospect to go back and, and try to understand life through the eyes of who we were when we were young before we got wise, mm -hmm. right? You spoke about the first time. How many times did you have to forgive him? How many times did you decide that your marriage was so valuable that you needed to continue to forgive him? How well, maybe she hasn't. Maybe that's another question that we need to ask. Has she ever forgiven him, and is there a need to do it well, even? Well, at some point, she did forgive him. At some, at some stretch of time, you did forgive him, right? I, yeah. I, I've, it was just that one time okay. um, that I, there was no avoiding. You know, I, I couldn't avoid it anymore uh, that this was happening. And so... Um, I forgave him, and we worked through that difficult process with counseling? of reconciling that with counseling. And I had my own counselor, um, and he wouldn't go to his own counselor. And then we went to couples counseling together. 
And um, we probably went, you know, maybe a few months with that. And then um, through the next several years, he would say, well, you know, it doesn't seem that you trust me because there would be other things that I would see. Like, for like instance, what? for instance, um, we were we were running, going down a road, and I said, you know, um, I'm shocked that you never went to that restaurant with her because I know that that was one of her favorite restaurants, and you've never been there. And he said, no, but she took me to this other restaurant. It was horrible. Like, wait, you told me when you were together that you never went out in public. And then he, why are you always trapping me? Why is this always going to come up? And um, so he turned the tables mm -hmm. on you and make it that you mm -hmm. were the fool, that you were the, mm -hmm. the disruptor, that you were the one who was hell-bent on ruining the marriage with all, your suspicions. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And that, that wasn't even just about that. It was about everything, um, our finances. So he's an accountant. Um, and so... Um, in the process of all of that, you trust him and he, you know, there were things that he would just say, well, you just don't understand. You don't, you don't understand this. This is above you. So basically what you're describing there is emotional abuse. That the diminishment of you, the keeping you small, the almost... Um, asking you to betray your own faith in yourself, that's a form of emotional abuse, just so that you know. Well, right. I have since come to understand that, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mm -hmm. love that. So now we're going to talk uh, just a little bit when we come back about the discovery process, right, of how a person begins to heal. But I'm sure we also have other questions Well, we have lots well. of story left, lots right? Story and left. we definitely are interested in that whole, I love that word, the discovery process. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Andrea Gould-Marks with my co-hosts, Bibi Peters, Jennifer Davis-Page, and our amazing guest, Chris, who is sharing a story of uh, many, many years of betrayal. And in Chris's story, we are hearing so many stories, so many different and very popular stories of infidelity. So Chris, welcome back. And we have so many questions. You mentioned that you gave your husband a kidney because obviously he needed that. After an additional betrayal? No, before. Oh, that was before. Before. Tell so, us. Uh, in 2007, I gave him my kidney. Um, he was in kidney failure? Mm-hmm. He went through kidney. Is, and that's his second transplant? Mm -hmm. um, the first was from someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, in 2009, then discovered the first affair. And then um, in 2016, I discovered that they had reunited. 
and um, and he left. So he reunited. He he didn't keep the affair secret or go underground all those years between two thousand nine and two thousand sixteen. Oh, he absolutely did. I oh. I believe in hindsight that I probably had a year of um, I think two thousand ten was probably a year where we were working on things and and healthy as a couple. Mm-hmm. Were you sharing a home during that time? Yes. He never left until 2016. It's interesting how you say that. You didn't give him the kidney, but you say what? Oh, he took it. He took the kidney. Yeah. He, That's how I feel now. He robbed you He of robbed the me kidney. of my, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I asked for it back. He said that was illegal. <laughs> So, so bring us back to 2016, which was the discovery of the second or the continuation or a point where you just had to say, this is it, 2016. Um, what was the discovery? I had, uh, I had come home from a long trip to see my family and um, was so excited to see him and to be home and and um, you really loved this guy. I did. I did. Yeah. And um, it was odd because the we have two dogs, and the dogs' bowls were like baking pans or you know bigger Tupperware bowls filled with food and water. That was weird. Um, so he came in and he had been crying, and uh, he said. We sa- I said, what's going on? You know, and he sat down and he said, I love you. You are my best friend, uh, but I can't live with you anymore. And I have to leave. And then he said, um, I have a child oh. uh, that is um, six years old that I want to be a part of my life. And I, my first thought was, from who? Like... <laughs> How did that happen? Um, shock. <sighs> shock and disbelief. And, um, and he said, yeah, I, I, since you've been gone, I've been seeing her, her, the child, and I want to have that relationship, and I know that you won't let me stay here if I have that relationship. And he just mentioned the child, not the friend. Correct. But then, as the conversation grew, then he mentioned whose child was, which I... Then I knew. I mean, I kind of figured that's kind of... Was it the same woman? It's the same woman. Your friend? Your friend? Right? My ex-friend. Yeah. Right, your ex-friend. So then. there's, yes. the, you know, the other... If this is if betrayal is a knot, so picture these big fat threads. You've got a husband, you've got a friend, a really close friend, and then there's the introduction of a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, the betrayal is so convoluted and tight. Did you ever have a one-on-one with this girlfriend? Did you ever just sit with her and say, why did you do this to me? No. I never wanted to have anything to do with her. I never wanted to look at her again. Somebody asked me, what could they do to help me? Because they were friends with her and I. And I said, I, I never, this is what you can do for me. You can never talk about her. You can never bring her in my presence. And you can never show her to my children, ever. Now, I have, a, I have a question I want to ask you. I know the hurt was, was just unimaginable, but would it have been 
less if it had been a stranger versus a best friend? Well, I, and I wouldn't call her my best friend okay. by any means, but um, but somebody who had been invited into my home and my children's lives. Right. But uh, absolutely. You know, I look back on that because there are, we have common people in our lives mm-hmm. and um, she pops up every now and again and it's painful because I know, I know who she is and I know how it is. So I can imagine things and I still do in my head between the two of them because I know them both that well mm-hmm. and I think that's painful I think if it were somebody that I didn't know it would be easier just to x that out have you allowed your children to have a relationship with their half sibling um I have led that let that com- be completely their decision okay they're old enough they um and recently well not that recently Probably last summer, uh, this the the one sibling sent a letter to my daughter, and um, and my daughter said, "I I don't want to have anything to do with them. We don't want to. I don't want to have a relationship um, with them. I don't want to have anything to do with that." So I've let them make that decision because they're old enough to do that. So your daughter rejected his new family so to speak well they both have they sat down with their father at some point and said let's make this all very clear we never want to have anything to do with your new family we don't want to talk about them we don't want to hear about it we never want to see them we don't want to see her and I think for them in talking with them it's difficult because they know her Mm -hmm. yeah and they feel replaced yeah. Oh, that's a very common feeling, right? They feel replaced by his choice to be with a new daughter, mm-hmm. a new child. And is there a need for you to stay connected with him in any way relative to your two children? No, never. Okay. So if your children got married, unless they already did, but the big wedding kind of thing, is that anything that you well it's be. coming my son is going to get married oh there is um how's that being designed my son it, so they talked to me he and his fiance talked to me um at the same time and asked me how i felt about that that they wanted to put forth the invite how was i how would i handle that of course i'm sure they're trying to make sure that mom doesn't make a scene Mom, um, meaning you or her? Me. Mm. me. Um, they, will, they told me that they would invite him. She's not ever welcome. And uh, my son told his father that we don't, we don't want you or her near, he didn't want them near his fiance at all. And so um, he's, his father said, well, I can sit in the back and behave if she can behave, meaning myself. And I said to my son, I, you know, I can do anything for a few hours. This mm-hmm. day is not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about you and, and her. And um, I will do what I have to do. So, so maybe he'll, maybe he'll have the good well, grace to come, sit, see his son, marry, and leave. I don't want him. I don't even know him, but I don't want him <laughs> dancing around the punch bowl. Right. Okay? This, is how, this is how a Jennifer. <laughs> yes. Well, and my, uh, my family... 
my sister specifically, um, said if he if he has the guts to show up at that with all of us there because they will travel far and wide to be there just to support me in that and to be there for my son as well. But I feel that strength with them behind me. Absolutely, absolutely. So what that's was a the perfect total setup? Uh, number of years that you were married to him? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight years. Wow, almost thirty years. Oh, it just takes your breath away for the discomfort and the pain that you must have experienced and felt. And um, I know we want to get to how you have recovered, how you have grown, how you have bloomed, how, you how have your new discovered. life, how you have discovered yourself and other support in the community and friends. But, oh gosh. There's the whole transformation of your identity. I mean, you were a young woman when you married. So you were a wife for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And his wife in particular, which is, you know, there's a different identity that you have with different people that you're with. I mean, you are who you are, yes, but the way the community identifies you. And so you've now made the transition into a whole different way of being. Mm -hmm. So when we come back, we will get a little more deeply into that with Chris. Stay tuned. So welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. Andrea Gouldmarks here with co-hosts B.B. Peters, Jennifer Davis-Page, and the guest who is so courageous and enlightening. Thank you for being here, Chris. And we're in the middle of the story of a double, triple, quadruple betrayal. So pick it up for us and tell us the parts that we've that that we've kind of skipped over, Chris. So um, when when he initially told me that he had to leave because he had uh, met his child and wanted to be with them. Uh, uh, that night is kind of a blur. He packed up some of his stuff, and we made a plan to do things for the next three days. You know, get your stuff. Let's go over finances. Let's kind of. You had the presence of mind to make a plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, to make appointments with him, and he knew all the finances. I I had. I was diagnosed with cancer in 2016. Oh God. And um, so for the year of 2016. Uh, he ran our finances. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's the same year he um, had the first affair. And so um, she had come to the point where we were running her finances because my father had already passed. And so he took over her finances as well. So we had to make those plans because I had to be able to get into accounts and those sorts of things. And he was cooperative? Even to the point, and I, I should have known that he had already connected with a lawyer because the next day when he came, he didn't use his garage door opener. He didn't use his keys. He knocked on the door. Mm -hmm. And so that should have been my first, that he had his ducks in a row and he knew what he was doing. And we went through finances uh, that, that night. I had gone during the day to go meet. I had spent all day at the bank. And then the next day I went, uh, to, uh, that afternoon I went to see his parents. And his parents um, were upset, but they didn't know the whole story. He had never told them. Sure. 
and um, they were urging me to try and work it out. And um, well, maybe we'll get back together, you know. So then when he sat there, and I was questioning because there were several thousand dollars just missing from our account. He left me with 57 cents in the checkbook. And, oh, God. And um, I said, I'm going to need some money to survive here until I get paid again. Um, and I said, you're, I was talking with, and he blew, he blew up at me. How dare I even question his finances? And how dare I even ask about money that had been taken from accounts? And how dare I ask for some money? I had just gone on a trip, and he knew that my family had given me some money. And so um, I said, well, on another note, um, I had spoken with your parents today, and, and they think that we're going to get back together, so would you consider counseling? And he said, no, you'll, we're getting divorced. And I said, why would you say that so you know, positively? Well, because there's another child. This is the second child yeah. on the way. And so then I just broke down and I said, you were sleeping with her while I was in chemo. And, um, and he said, I'll never forget, he said, yes, it was the, it was the worst misjudgment that I've probably made. And I said, no, no, <laughs> there's far more. Why, so, did you, why did you decide that you were still willing to forgive him after, after all of the hurt? I don't know that I was willing to forgive him. I think I just wanted to know the whole picture of what I was dealing with. Am I dealing with something where you're thinking maybe that you're going to come back? Right. Or am I, am I dealing with something that you know you're out? I, I needed to know where I stood where our relationship stood in that whole scheme of things because he obviously was was steering this and so I needed to know where he was so that I could figure out where I was. You're right, remarkable. Like, You're a remarkable woman cuz I haven't even, I haven't heard that you were just really mad out of your mind mad at him. I know you probably were, but I, I were you? I mean, were you just mad at him? I you know and in hindsight, I look at that and I think, why didn't I just haul off and right. hit him? I mean, right. I, why? And I don't know why. I just sat there very calmly. I think, I think some part, some deep part of me knew that this was over yeah. seven I, years let's ago. Let's get back to the uh, story for one moment so we can finish the whole picture. Right. And that is, so what happened... Um, when he told you there was a child on the way, and then what evolved? What uh, I came just about? started crying, and and uh, I I only remember him leaving and pick, picking, putting his stuff in garbage bags and leaving. I couldn't even, and I remember um, that night. And oh, oh, he did say to me, um, "You've lied to your children all this time. They will never speak to you again." Mm. You said that to him. No, he no, said he that to me. He said that to you. And I remember just, then he left, and then I lost it. Oh. And I, I couldn't fathom my children oh. never speaking to me again because I had lied to them somehow. Or, How did you lie to them? Why would he even imagine saying that? Well, that I, I didn't come completely clean with the first affair, that I, you know, 
who knows what he was, but he could flip that on me. Yes. He flipped yes. everything on me all the time. That's why I asked if you said that to him or if he said that to you. Yeah, he said that to me. And so I remember my daughter calling me and saying, Dad just called. He wants to meet with me. What's going on? And I said, I, I can't. I can't tell you. I can't talk to you. I can't. And um, And then I remember talking to them about it and saying, you know, why, how upset I was. My son came over right away. Is he the older one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and as soon as he left, that's what I did. As soon as he left, I went through the entire house and I took down every picture that had his face in it. And I replaced it with other pictures of my family and my kids. And, and my son walked in and he started laughing. <laughs> and he said, oh, mom. <laughs> and uh, So he already knew. Yeah. Well, then I, I think they had had maybe a text conversation, he, and um, his father and he, so that he knew he'd left, but he didn't know the whole story. And then um, as my son said, what, why would we ever, Mom, we would never turn our back on you. You, you hung through this in a time when you probably shouldn't have. What was the financial picture of your mother's estate that he was handling? Was that left whole? Did you find that that was not a problem? Um, ultimately, what I found, my mother was on access. And so. Um, Which is like Medicaid. Right. Yeah. And uh, I found in the course of all of that that he had taken and used her money to support this other family, as well as our own accounts. Uh, my children's accounts and loans taken out in all of our names to support their family. Now you were still legally married to him, right? Correct. So you could you did you have any recourse in terms of going to the authorities about him stealing or or was or was he was authorized to take the money so you didn't have that he was authorized to okay. because I gave him account information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was authorized to use it. Right. So, we're, you know, we're sitting here with you and we're listening to you tell us this story in an even, an even pace. You know, yes, there's weeping, but the, um, there's so much room inside of you for making sense of this. I just want to point that out, that there's tremendous amount of psychological space inside of you to hold all these pieces, betrayal after betrayal after betrayal, humiliation, diminishment, abuse, all of that, just holding it. Just saying, pretty remarkable. Well, thank you. So continue the saga for us. So then he came back the third day to get the remainder of his things. Um, they should have been burned in the yard. You should have had a bonfire. This is so not Chris. (laughs) So I, yeah. Now. Now. (laughs) You know, so I did little things. Like I shut off the air conditioning, period. I turned on, I opened all the windows. He has horrific allergies. I mean, I uh, bleached the entire house because I needed to have, with solid bleach, because I needed to have that cleanse. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And when he walked back in, he goes, whoo. And I said, I had to disinfect you out of this house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got the rest of his stuff and um, loaded his truck. And he didn't have, he he was running really far behind. Like I had places, I I was meeting my daughter. I made an appointment so that I would be out of there. And um, I said, you got got to hurry up and get this stuff out of here. And he said, well, I got most of my stuff. I said, I'm not taking care of any of your items. You you take it all and get it out of here. Well, that's not going to happen unless you help me. Oh, wow. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. So you better make another date to come here to get the rest of your stuff. So, um, so you were beginning to draw the very firm boundaries that hadn't been existent all those years. Well, I I had helped him with everything. I mean, there's, you know, there's not one. I mean, I took care of him. Right. Really. So and now I, you're making a boundary that, talk about building a wall, right? So what you got to show him then was what that wall could look like mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Are you divorced right now? Yes. And how Two long? Two years, six months. Okay. 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 So let's go. Yeah. Let's go back to the, to the story. So he then moved out. Yeah. He, well, he moved out that first night and didn't ever come back. Um, and then he told me that he was moving in with her, um, that day. And I said, well, how's that going to look? And he said, I'm free daycare for her. Oh. And, um, and then a little while later, he came back with his parents and got the rest of it. And I made some comment about my son coming to help with a vehicle. And his father said to me, um, you know, he is not your son. He is yours and my son's son. And he will always be their father. And I said, well, he's been a horrible father this far. So good luck. And that was the last I've then his parents came back and got other things that they had gifted to me uh they wanted everything that they had ever given to me really back um family china Mm. things like that that's pretty horrifying that's another Mm -hmm. one that's another stick on log on the fire another betrayal well then i found out uh through the course of these i think i mentioned these emails that i had found through the course of those emails i found out that his parents had known about this affair for five years and um, and never said a word. But they were encouraging you when you sat with them. They were encouraging you to get back t- together, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least posing the question that maybe you two will get back. So it sounds like a brush off almost. You know? It sounds like, like the word duplicitous runs in the family. Yes. yes. Right. Right. Chris is shaking her head. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. The Absolutely. duplicity. So they were kind of all in it together. And my children, in the course of a divorce, you know, there's an entire dining room table of of papers. I decided to do my own uh, investigative type things to get every bank account, every credit card, and finding out that there was more than 30 credit cards. Wow. That he had taken out either in my name or his own name. And so this is a crime, this is a crime this. scene. It, it is. Right? It this is. is a crime it is. And here's my life laying on the kitchen table and my kids walked in I didn't know they were coming my kids walked in and they're like mom and I I left the room to go do something and I sat down and they were 
they were in the midst of my life, of my, the mess of this life. So they got to see what was real. And they happening. read everything. They read a lot of the emails. They, and so they said, uh, so later, a couple years later, when they finally met with their father and confronted him on some issues, they said, um, you know, it wasn't cool that your parents knew about this the entire time. The kids say too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't, that you told your parents about these kids and her before. And he said, I, I, don't, I don't think they knew. I don't think they knew. And um, I said to my daughter, well, I told you the one line you could say to him is emails don't lie. And then he would have nowhere to go. And she said, it's not worth it because he's a liar and he's always going to lie. Yeah. And so, right? Okay. So then you're standing, looking back in retrospect at the 20 some odd years that you're married. It's almost like the foundation that you stand on just falls away and you're in a free fall. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we come back, we will be listening further for how this beautiful woman who sits before us now, all put back together, weathered that free fall. We'll be back. We're here in Boom Goddess Radio Land, and we are with Jennifer Davis Page, B.B. Peters, and myself, Andrea Goldmarks, and we are hosting a woman who is telling us an incredible story that's got so many elements that we are going to be digesting this story for weeks. <laughs> so, Chris, we are up to the part where life has now definitely changed mm-hmm. uh, above the ground, right? Now we're really seeing the whole betrayal, all the lies, the entire foundation of life falling away. And here you are putting it, well, first discovering it all and then beginning to put the pieces together and save your own life. Mm -hmm. Tell us. And I think uh, initially I just went into protect mode. And what that look like? uh, Educate myself on what does our house look like? What do our finances look like? What do I need to get done? I didn't have to worry about my children, um, custody or visitation because they were already mm-hmm. old enough that they could make that decision on their own. Um, got myself into counseling and um, and set up accounts in my own name trying to recover. For 30 years, I had never had more than $500 in the bank at a time. So now you're in survival mode, learning like fast track everything you need to know to survive as a woman. Well, as right, as well as I taught myself how to change my daughter's car battery died uh, two weeks later. And I called him uh, and he said that car's not my problem. Mm. So I learned how to change a battery, uh, change the battery on my own and um, just figured it out and Mm. got myself an attorney um, met with him at a public place with a list of things that were in the home um, that he had decided not to take. Uh, and my vehicle, that was my other concern, is I want my vehicle. And so I wanted him to sign that said, 
I could keep all of these things and I can do whatever I want with them. Was that including the home? No, because we were still paying on the home. Because he had taken out all the equity. Right. 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 So um, he, at that point then he said to me, you know, let's not even get lawyers. It's, it's going to cost us a lot of money to do this, money that we don't have. And so why don't we just do this on our own and, um, and see how it goes? I think, I think we could make this friendly. He said that friendly. He used the word friendly. Yeah. Yikes. <clears throat> uh, I had gotten my port taken out that day. And for your chemo. chemo. For my chemo. Mm. And so I was having a, um, I was having a party for myself. Good for you. And um, my son said he would pay for it. And we went to a restaurant and I invited my friends and, and, um, and I dressed up. So mm. I went to this meeting looking looking mm. pretty good mm. and um and i told him what i essentially just showed him my middle finger and i walked out and that was the last time i spoke to him so and the attorneys began to so take then over. i got right so then we drew up a document and uh, my attorney sent it to him and the very next day the next morning his attorney responded with this uh, outrageous settlement in my favor to keep the house to I was the only one with any investment um, from my work to so that it would leave for the most part the my investment alone except taking out a, a third of it maybe uh, to pay off these credit card bills and um, I my question was well I, I know you have some sort of investments with your work what's it worth I just wanted to know well, he never would answer it. So then the divorce just continued on and on. And then I kept discovering more and more. And, and I, then we were in too deep for me to have any, I couldn't go back to that first deal because it was already too far. He, had, he was helping pay for the house. He quit doing that because he said he was tapped out. Um, and so then the bat divorce battle went on. I mean, it wasn't a battle. It went on for about a year, you know, attorneys back and mm. forth. Mm. But at this point, had you taken his name off of all of the finances for your mom and and for you? He's off of all of that paperwork now, right? Right, okay. right. And what I did was I, I he does, he, he refuses to go into places to deal with people. So he does everything online. So I cut off all online access. Wonderful. To every bank mm -hmm. account. Uh, and then, and, and all he had to do was walk into a bank and change it. That's all he had to do, but he never would, he never would do that. So I had access cause I would go into the bank. I don't mm -hmm, care. Mm -hmm. Um, and take care of things myself. And so, um, then, um, about four months into it, five months into it, he decided to stop paying his half of the bills. And so I was left to fend on my own. So then the house, uh, we weren't paying on the house. So um, ultimately then that was going to go into foreclosure. And uh, the day I went in for mediation, yes, uh, my mother died mm. while I was in mediation. Oh, sweetie. And, um, and I sat there and I refused to look at him. I told him I will never look at your face ever again. And so I sat and I... 
outside the window of the mediation was this beautiful chapel with a tiled roof and birds all around it. And I just, I just looked at that window and I thought, that's what's my future mm-hmm. is that's what's ahead of me is, is it's going to be bright and right. it's going to be that was your mother sending you the message that it's all going to be well oh, i believe prob- that yeah it was some kind of a sign that spoke to the deepest part of you it's what held hope. me together that entire time yes and he was doing this posturing <clears throat> where you put your he's he's a big guy uh and he would lean and come back and forth on the table with his with his arms and posturing and I could see it in my peripheral but I thought I'm not even gonna what are you doing <laughs> not even gonna react to that so I just kept my eye the on the sparrow spoto, so to speak yes. yeah that's a compelling memory you know if you believe in karma day. and and if you believe in karma he is not going to live a happy life after what he's done to you and um, he will rule the day that he did all of this to you. I believe that. I don't know him at all, but I believe that, that that's going to happen. I hope so. Whatever, whatever <laughs> happens to him, this lady is now, tr- you know, she's traveling separately. Yeah. And so yeah. tell us about the... Um, the discovery process as you began to put yourself back together. Not necessarily the details, but more the psychology of what you realized. And the emotional, the inside of you. How were you healing the inside of you? Well, and not only was I healing emotionally, but I was coming off of cancer treatment, so I was healing physically as well. Yes, And so... um, Look at those two things in tandem. I got a buddy and I got myself to to the gym, uh, found a cancer support group that just lifted me and carried me through so much of that. Um, and I started looking at, um, who am I and trying to rediscover who am I and where have I been that, you know, what are, what's my family like, you know, kind of reconstituting yourself. Who is the girl that my parents raised me to be and I've tried to reconnect with that and and be that person um and the very first one of the very first things I did uh was have a divorce party and it was probably the best thing I've ever done Mm. uh so freeing and uplifting and you know many people say oh you know that's just so negative um, really? I, no, it's not negative. So many It's a celebration. Yes. It's a ritual. Yes. And you know, in all religions, we mm. have rituals for death. We have rituals for birth. We have rituals for change. We send our young people into the forest for vision quests. I mean, ritual serves a really important purpose in the nervous system. It, it creates a space between what was and what can be and you talk about the support group for cancer healing he right we could be allowed to use the metaphor was a cancer in your life Mm -hmm. growing underground with tentacles that you didn't even know were there the 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 similarities between the way cancer grows and the way he you know created his betrayal 
can't possibly be lost on us, you know. And so for you to be healing both at the same time was, in a way, I'll use that Jewish word mitzvah. It was a blessing that didn't start as a blessing, but definitely everything you got from that. Oh, absolutely. Changing habits. Here at Boom Goddess Radio, we talk a lot about friendships. And tell us how important your girlfriends were to you during this time. Amazing. Um, I went, I have reconnected with friends that I haven't talked to in years, college friends. And I recently went to a college reunion and they said, you know, we never liked him. (laughs) (laughs) But we wouldn't tell you. Sure. Because you would have put us out of your life. And very common mm. once again. And I, I said, well, next time everybody pipe up. <laughs> right. like, can you go like this, please, with your elbows and poke um, me? <laughs> another right. piece to this is that so my very best friend, her husband was with the same woman at the same time as my husband. Even when we're all in the same place. Um, and so she was having an affair with two men at the same time. Yes, and they all knew. They both knew about each other. Mm. How cozy! And mm. well, that supports she, the polyamory belief. She has been. Uh, we've been a stronghold for each other, and because we've gone through exactly the same betrayal, and um, and it's amazing how many people uh, that you that I didn't know had similar stories in their lives that come forward and say, this happened to me and I got divorced, but nobody knows I'm divorced because now I'm in my second marriage. Mm -hmm. And just that, it's just that feeling of I'm not alone in this. The hidden underground is now like manifesting itself. Yeah. And I want people to know about that. You know, the support that comes either from the similarity or as Jennifer you know, talks about just from the friendships, but there is no more healing medicine than the support of other people who really see you and who can finally say, we see you. You know, when you talk about reconnecting with the girl you once were, I often say to my clients who've experienced a trauma, see it almost as a film strip. So now we edit out both sides of this thing, but we have to join you back to who you were before this and that's a really important process you know it's not just a a quick conversation it's a really because you're almost reconnecting all the neurons all the nerves and Mm -hmm. blood vessels back together to really capture the girl that you were that your parents raised you to it's be. like sewing up a body after an accident yeah. right i yeah. mean that's what yeah, you're absolutely. doing you're, you're stitching this life together that you knew was in you and now you want to then be over with the past and then grow into the woman that you know you are mm-hmm. you've said you're a different woman oh. today no yeah. uh, absolutely Tell after two how, and a half how, years I'm how are you a different woman like what is happening in your life what what's going on what is uh, exciting you tell tell um, us all that i think that i've been doing a lot of studying on you know the self and centering myself and and yeah. being in line with the universe you know universe or god or yeah. and and i've i've found a new 
finding new purpose in my life and being happy with each day mm. and being present uh, than I have ever been present before. It, I think I was always looking to the next moment, the next exciting thing in life. And now I'm just enjoying the day and each day is a, a great gift. And every day I lay in, at night, I lay in bed and I think, what was great about today? That's wonderful. That's wonderful. After two and a half years, do you think you'll have, are you looking for love again or have you not gotten to that point yet? I think I, I'm learning to love myself. Well, that's important. I haven't, um, I've spent many years hearing how difficult I am, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that I'm not pretty, that, you know, all these things that, and so, um, and I'm hard to talk to, any, any, everything, not intelligent, um, that I'm learning all those things about myself again, and that's not an easy thing. It's to, almost to like shut having those words. been part of a cult, yes. and you are now mm. in the process of deprogramming mm-hmm. yourself, and all the people around you who love you are participating in that deprogramming, right. because that's what we have to do when somebody takes us over almost like a cult or you know there's other words for it many other words for it um the stockholm syndrome Mm -hmm. which is another term where you're basically kept as a captive and yet you're forced to fall in love with the person who's holding you captive so in our final in our final few few seconds of this broadcast is there anything else that you would like to say to our audience out there who might be one of those people going through something similar it's so easy to get lost in a marriage and not be your own person and i think having your own strength and knowing that it's okay you can go out on a limb you're going to be okay you're going to be okay that's a wonderful sentiment to, to uh, end with, giving right. other women that have gone through the same horrible experience uh, that there is hope, you know, that the, that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train headed at you. Right, right. Yeah. And not so, only yeah. hope, but growth, actually. Yeah. Personal Post, development We call growth. it post-traumatic growth. Right. Thank you for being here with us, Chris. Thank you. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.